Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And our greatest desire is to join God in the remaking of all things. I hope this sermon gives you a little bit of a look into the life of our church. You can learn more and connect with us further, LafayetteNaz.org. Have a great day. While you're standing this morning, hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 18. Jesus was telling them a parable about their need to pray continuously and not be discouraged. And he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. And in that city there was a widow who kept coming to the judge, asking, Give me justice in this case against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or respect people. But I will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me. Otherwise, there will, there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice quickly. But when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? This is God's word for us this morning. You can be seated. All right, so we're in a series of sermons called The Grace of Grit. And we've been working our way through 2 Timothy. And we're going to take a little bit of a brief break here in Luke chapter 18. Because I know really of no other passage of scripture that demonstrates this particular aspect of of the grace of grit that the Lord gives to us. So this is a story that Jesus tells to his disciples. And in this story, there's a woman, and this woman is down and out, and she has absolutely nothing. And she goes to a judge, and the judge is labeled, self-labeled as unjust. And this unjust judge doesn't care about this woman, doesn't care about God, just wishes that this woman would go away as she begs for justice. And initially, the judge kind of dismisses her, tells her, hey, get out of here. But she begs, and she begs, and she begs, and she begs, until finally the judge says, okay, you win, I give in. And then Jesus says, hey, this is how it works. This is how it goes. And i got to be honest with you, just from the outset, like, this is a difficult story. It's a, it's a difficult story. It's, is, is God trying to say, hey, I'm like that judge, and your job is to nag me and nag me and nag me and nag me until I just get tired of you and I relent, and then I'll give you what you want. It's, it's kind of like a little bit of a confusing story. And I think when the gospel writer Luke set out to tell the story of the life of Jesus, he knew that this particular part of Jesus' life, this teaching, was going to be a little bit confusing. And so when he sat down to write this particular story, 
he didn't want us to get lost in all of the details and miss the point. So he just gave us the point like right off the bat in the very first verse. And when the stories of Jesus, if you're familiar with the stories of Jesus, you know that getting the answer isn't in the first verse. That's not usually what happens. I mean, sometimes when Jesus tells a story, we actually never end up getting the teacher's answer key. Like we never see the right answer. Or if we do get the answer, it's all the way at the end of the story, but not this time. Not this time. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I'm going to give, you to, give this to you at the top because I don't want you to miss the point. So right there in Luke 18, 18 chapter 1, or Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. Jesus told them this story about their need to pray always and listen, church, and to not lose hope. He told them this story about their need to pray always and to not lose heart. So this story that Jesus gives today is for people who are in a place in their life where they are in danger of losing heart. It's told for people and it's told to people who are in a life's circumstance that feels like they're about to give in. They're about to lose heart. And so Jesus says to them, and he tells them this story, and he's encouraging them, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. That's a beautiful phrase. That's a beautiful phrase. It's like somehow intuitively we know what it means, even though we don't really know exactly what it means. And and in your Bible translation, it might be translated in all sorts of different ways because biblical translators translate this like across the spectrum. And so it says to, to not faint or to not grow weary or to not get tired. Or Eugene Peterson, he, he translated as don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. And so this is a story for people who are in a moment where there is a very tr- strong pull and a strong temptation just to quit and to give up. It's a story for people who are in a place in their life where they have no heart left. To lose heart is to get so tired. It's, it's to get so broken down that you just feel like you don't have any fight left in you anymore. You can't get yourself back up off of that mat. You've been knocked down too many times. You, you, you've lost heart. It's to be in a situation where other people's situations, you, I mean, you've lost heart to the point where when you see people that you love and, and they're going through stuff, that doesn't even affect you anymore. It's like the emotional center of our being has grown cold and hard. It's to be in a place where there's just nothing left. There's nothing left. We've seen too much. We've experienced too much, too many body blows We're tapping out. We're ready to throw in the towel. And so to those people, Jesus says, I want to tell you this story. And and this story goes out to this kind of people. To all of you who feel like you're in a season of your life where you're ready to give in and to lose heart, where you feel it slipping away from you, this story is for you. And so he tells the story, and the story is about a widow. And you can likely imagine it 
even today, but especially so in the ancient Near East, widows were the most vulnerable people in the whole world on the face of the planet. Because at that time, and this was wrong, I'm not saying it was right, at that, it was very wrong. At that time, women didn't have a lot of rights on their own. And they didn't have any resources of their own. So when a woman would be widowed and would lose her husband, and the husband was the only one in her life who had the ability to get resources for her, the only way she actually had a connection to society. And so when her husband was gone and all of that was gone, she had no one to take care of her or defend her or provide for her. She was out there all alone. It's why the scriptures The ancient scriptures, the Bible, is the most beautiful document in the whole world because in no other historical document is there a a collection of, of texts calling for people to care for and to protect the orphan and the widow, for the foreigner, for the immigrant, for children, for the people who are most vulnerable and all of the world, the most likely ones to be mistreated, the scripture continuously says, take care of those people. And widows were in that category for sure. If you were a widow, it was the kind of thing, unfortunately, in that time of life, if you were a horrible human being, you could take advantage of a woman and a widow, and no one would do anything to you. You would get completely away with it. And it seems like in this story, something like that has happened. So here we have a widow, and not only has she been widowed and lost her husband, but something has happened to her, and someone has taken advantage of her. And there has been an, in, an injustice that has, that has been done to her. Some offense has taken place, and so here she is. She's all alone. She has no resources. She has no person to advocate her and get for her what she would need in a legal sense. And now someone has come along and done something horrible to her. It's likely that someone has stolen some kind of money or goods or resources. Maybe they convinced her to enter into some horrible business deal. Maybe it was even as bad as they robbed her. We don't know, but what we know is that she's been taken advantage of. She goes in to this judge as kind of a last stop effort. And she pleads her case. She says to the judge, look, this person has robbed me, has taken from me and taken my resources, and I have no one and nothing. And I'm begging you for justice. Please, 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 judge, make this right. Now, she cannot afford an attorney. She has no one to whom to go. It would be as if in our culture, like a child would walk into a courtroom and that child would try to defend themselves and to get what they thought they deserved. So she entered into that courtroom with nothing but this one prayer. A prayer is that this judge would have some heart. But unfortunately she gets the exact opposite response. She doesn't get a heart. She gets the worst case scenario you can imagine. Jesus tells us that the judge assigned to her case that day was a man who did not fear God at all 
and did not see his role as having to be accountable to God for any of it. So he didn't care what God thought about this situation and what God thought about her. He was only in it for himself. So she comes in and pleads her case. Listen, judge, you've got to make this right. And he, man, he, he doesn't have any time for it. He just dismisses her. It's like, I'm not even, I'm not even going to listen to this. And we don't know if that's because she wasn't able to pay, like the usual bribe that he's used to, like grease the palm a little bit, line the pocket in order to get what she wants. We don't know if it's because she was, she was trying to sue someone who maybe had a little bit of power in the town and the judge didn't want to get involved in any of that. We don't know if it's, he had a busy, busy court caseload that day and he was really overworked and he needed to get on with his day and she was just annoying him. We, we don't know why, but what we do know is that he doesn't, he doesn't deal with her. He just dismisses her, says, get out of here. So she finds herself in that moment in a place where she is losing heart. And I don't think any of us would blame her for losing heart. And, and she's wondering what justice even is there in this world. She must have been thinking, I've lost my husband. I've lost my resources. Someone has taken advantage of me. And now I have this horrible judge who kicked me out. Won't even hear my plea. So she makes her way home, ignored, sent away. And in this story, Jesus is tugging at the heartstrings of his audience. So for those of you today who feel like you are on the verge of losing heart and giving in and giving up, Jesus says, let me tell you the story about her, about this woman. And how many of us here today in this room, how many of us could get there? I mean, we don't even need the story in order to get there. I could just say that phrase, lose heart, and for many of us, we, we, we already know what that is all about. We know what it's like to feel that. Man, I, I'm about to quit. I'm about to check out. How many of us in this room have never had those feelings? We've all had those feelings. How, how many of us have never draw or dreamed about quitting or getting away from it all? I, mean, I think all of us in this, it would be safe to say that all of us in this room have had like kind of like the fantasy of let's just hop in the car and let's just drive and never stop driving. Just keep on driving or let's just get on a plane we especially feel this way in like February when we haven't seen the sun in six weeks. Let's get on a plane and like go somewhere sunny and let's just start all over again. I mean, how many of us have felt like, man, this relationship that we're in, this is just too hard. Uh, too much has happened. We'll never find that connection that we once had. We'll never find that intimacy that we once shared. I mean, I know if you're a parent, it would, it's a very honest feeling to think, man, this, this parenting gig is overwhelming. I mean, how many of you have gone out into the garage and sat in the car and weighed the options? I'm not coming in. I'm not sure I'm ever 
coming in. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out where to go from here. It's a moment that's very real. And in that moment, what's happening is we're about to lose heart. We're about to lose heart. For many of you, for some of us, it might be a moment in your schooling or in your career. You had at one point in time a dream and a vision and a goal. You had some fire in your bones. You had something you really wanted to do, something that your family really wanted to do together. And you've pushed and you've pushed and you've pushed. And finally, now you're at the place where you're beginning to think it's just not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Who even cares about any of this? I'm checking out. You might think, I'm leaving that company today. When I leave the office today, this is the last time. I'm never going to come back. And you know what? They're not even going to miss me. I'm completely replaceable. We've had this moment. We know what that experience of losing heart looks like and feels like. People have struggled with this experience and dealt with this experience for centuries now. Jesus, the people in Jesus' time dealt with this experience. Jesus wanted to address it. So we're not alone. If you feel like that, you're not alone in feeling that way. It's been happening for centuries. But I think if you would allow me some liberty, I think I would say it's especially problematic today. I think it's at epidemic levels today. I think that the reality of losing heart today, even though it's been a a problem for people for all of time, I think it's especially true today. I was listening a couple of weeks ago to um, a podcast um, of an interview with a really prominent pastor here in America. His name, the name of this pastor who being interviewed is Louis Giglio, and some of you might be very familiar with him and with that name. If you're not, he's an author, he's a speaker. Very, very prominent platform. Most recently, he's the pastor of a church called Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Louis is probably one of the most influential Christian leaders amongst my generation and the generation below me. And in this podcast interview, he said this, and it nearly stopped me in my tracks as I was thinking about this message. He said this, he said, quote, Losing heart is the Achilles heel of our age. Now, Louis is a 60-year-old man, and he has been leading people younger than him for his entire life. And as he's observed what's been happening amongst people, he says this is the problem, this is the diagnosis that's most acute than all of the other problems amongst our culture today. It's losing heart. It's losing heart. And he went on to say why he thinks it is. He says, you know, I think it's partly a cultural thing that we live in a world where everything happens in an instant. And so we expect that if we want something, we should be, it should happen like now, like right now. And so if we think of something, if we can dream up something, we just open our Amazon app and we're able to buy it and it should be delivered at our door like within a day, at worst two days. This is our expectation now, Louis said, for how life should happen. We have immediate needs and those needs should be immediately met. That's, that's how we live our lives. 
And he said it's trained us in a certain way. It's trained us not just in our habits of how we consume things, but it's trained us in our habits of how we see things. So we become people who say things like this. You know, I've decided this year that I need to get healthy. It's really, really, really important to me. And so, like, we eat a salad for, like, a week. And then we're like, okay, well, um, I did that for a week, and I'm not ripped, or I haven't dropped, like, 20 pounds. I don't see any difference. Eating salads must not be working. So after a week, I quit. Or we have a friend, and the friend says to us, hey, you've been going through this thing, and you can't get beyond this thing. Maybe, maybe you should talk to a counselor about this thing. And, and so we say to ourselves, you know what? They're probably right. I need some help. This is the season of my life where I'm going to get my house in order. And so we ask around, and we get some referrals, and we make some phone calls, and we realize that to get on somebody's schedule, it's like a three- to six-month wait and we, we wait that time, we get on the schedule, and we go and we meet with them once. And after that one meeting, there's not really any change in our life. And so we never, we never go back. Or spiritually, some of us start to feel this ache in our bones for something deeper and truer, more ancient. So we say, you know what, I think this is it. I think I'm going, I'm going to explore this spirituality thing and figure out what I believe about all of this stuff. And so we decide to start attending church like once a month for an hour a week. We try it three times. It didn't work. So we quit. And Louis says, this is how we see life now. If it doesn't happen in an instant, we're out. We bail. It's like, Louis said, we're driving down the road of life constantly with our blinker on. Our blinker always on. We're just waiting for the first opportunity we can exit off of the thing. And the smallest challenge or the tiniest little obstacle or the least little bit of struggle or when it starts to feel just a little bit hard, we're done. Because if it feels hard, it must not work. What's happening? We're a culture that's prone to losing heart. We're people who have been conditioned to lose heart. And so Jesus says, here in this story, this is a story of a woman who has every right to lose heart and who we could easily imagine would be in the perfect position to say, there's no hope. There's no justice in this world. I might as well give up. She didn't. Not her. She had every reason to. Every reason to lose heart and to give up. But instead she walks into the courthouse. She points her finger at that judge. And she says, you are going to give me justice. And you're going to do it today. In front of all of these people right here and right now. And the judge says, hey, bailiff, get this crazy woman out of here. So the bailiff drags her out, kicking and screaming. She goes home. She should have lost heart. She didn't. She goes to bed. She wakes up the next day, takes a shower, 
puts on like a protest t-shirt, comes back to the courthouse, walks back into the courtroom and says, hey, look, I'm back. You cannot stop me. You cannot silence me. You have deprived me of the justice I deserve. You are going to make this right. I do not care if you don't care about this. It's wrong. You're going to make it right. The judge says to her again, Bailiff, get her out of here. They drag her out at this point in time like they're on speaking terms, talking about each other's family. Maybe she's baking cookies for the bailiff. The next day she gets up, this time puts on her protest shirt and a protest sign, goes to the front of the lawn, makes her way into the courthouse, same scene. Finger out, looking in the judge's face. You're not going to keep me silenced. I will not stop until I get justice. You may be unjust, but I believe that there is a God who looks out for the poor, and I will persist, and eventually you will relent. And then the craziest thing happens. How it would play out today is like TV cameras would start to show up, and the judge was trying to get reelected, and the judge would, re, re, uh, would realize that this publicity is not helpful for his reelection campaign. So he finally says to this woman who wouldn't quit, My goodness, you're killing me. Whatever you want, you have it. Just go away. And the reality, the moral of the story, Jesus tells the whole story. The point is, she wins. She wins. In the face of all of this injustice and everything that's broken and not right in the world, her persistence leads her to win. And so Jesus is speaking to people and coaching these people. And he says to them, there's something really powerful that I don't want you to miss. And it's easy to miss it. There's something so important about this life that many of you have the potential In your life, if you would just not immediately opt out, if you wouldn't quit so quickly and easily, if you could become the kind of person who is like this woman who persists, someone who has this commitment and the conviction and the backbone that God can be trusted and God is working in the background. And Jesus wants to tell us the story that You know, whenever we feel like something's hard, we want to opt out. And it's not true that God causes our struggle. But it is true that there is a power in pressing through. There is a power in persisting. Now listen, we already know that. We know that intuitively. We know that anything that's great and meaningful and really good in this world is done through persistence with a lot of resistance. I was scrolling through my social media feed a few weeks ago, and one of my colleagues was celebrating 30 years of marriage. And so they did what you do. They made a post about how they were celebrating 30 years of marriage. And this colleague's kind of witty, a little bit funny, a little bit snarky, so he posted a picture of him and his wife, and then he wrote a caption underneath that picture. And I wanted to read just a little bit of that, that, that caption for you today. He said this, Celebrating 30 years of marriage today, this has been very easy to do. 
and has required no counseling and only minimal effort between the both of us. I would definitely recommend this path of life. It's like the path of little resistance. Because after all, all you are doing is committing your whole life to another human who's absolutely flawless, just like yourself. He said, you know, finding someone who agrees with all of your thoughts about all of the things so there's never any conflict, that's really easy to do. And you know what? It's even easier if you agree as children to be wed to another. To make it even easier when you start to make other children that cost a lot of money, that's a good idea to provide for you the spark that your marriage might need. If you have to to have an extra pick-me-up for those days when love is slow. Take it from us. Please join our mailing list now, and we will teach you all of the ways of long years and easy love. What I found brilliant about that caption is that when we hear it or when we read it, we instantly get it. It's like, ah, exactly. You don't get to 30 years because it was easy. You get to 30 years because there were so many times when your heart was broken or when your spouse's heart was broken and it felt like you were losing heart. You had those times when you felt like there was no way we will ever find each other. Life's too complicated now. We'll never find each other again. And I'm not being seen nor heard And I guarantee there's somebody else in the world who would see me or who would hear me. But in the midst of feeling all of that, you persist. You persist. And God, through this parable, he's saying, you can answer me that there are going to be a million times in a million different ways where you are tempted to lose heart. But instead, here's the story of this woman who persisted and didn't give up because she knew there was something on the other side. Something on the other side. I want to take you back to that podcast with Louis. When Louis's talking about this, he said, when I was 50 years old, he's 60 now, when I was 50 years old, I felt that God was calling me to plant a church. And Louis was a super successful author. He, had, he did not need to do this. And so he met with one of his very best friends, and he said to his friends, hey, I think, I think I'm going to plant a church. And his friend said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 50. He said, why on earth would you do that? You're 50. You're successful. It's going to be way more difficult than you think it is. And Louis's like, whatever, man, maybe. It'll be fine. Two years later, Louis calls his friend and is like, hey, we we need to meet. This is really, really, really hard. And I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can do it. And his friend said, listen, I told you from the jump this was going to be really difficult, but I want to make you a deal. Here's the deal. If you ever get to the point where you feel like you're going to quit, you need to call me or contact me, text me, whatever, and we need to meet before you make that final decision. So he's like, all right, I'll make you that deal. Time goes by, another couple of years, and and Louis at the place where he's losing heart. 
and he's about to quit. In fact, he calls his friend and he says, hey, listen, I want to let you know I'm going to quit. I'm about to tell the staff that I'm out. And this whole thing will probably be shut down. And his friend said, that's not the deal we made. The deal we made is that you'd call me and we'd meet before you made that decision. And I can't meet with you today, but I can tomorrow morning. So we're going to meet first thing in the morning. And he says, sure, what's one more day? Long story short, he didn't quit. He persisted. And I think about his church now and all of the good things that have come out of that. And then I remember he was a razor's edge from none of that existing. But he got to the other side. Sarah Bessie, who's one of the best authors right now, says this. Many of us miss the miracle of faithfulness. Many of us miss the miracle of faithfulness. We miss that miracle. We miss that moment because in our minds we think it's impossible. It's too hard. It's not going to happen. I'll never get there. I'm just going to throw in the towel. And if we do that, if we, if we exit off of that road of life, we'll never get to the other side where we can look back and say, wow, I am so glad I didn't stop. We never get to that day where we can look back and we can see all of the ways that God's faithfulness is revealed and how thankful we are for every piece and every step of that journey. We never got to that place because we were too busy looking for a way out as opposed to looking for a way through. Many of us, we miss that miracle of faithfulness. And we don't have those stories in our life about how God has carried us through because every time God was about ready to reveal himself to us, we stepped out and we quit. And through this story, God is saying to us, listen, for those of you who do not quit, oh, you will eventually rejoice because I am not anything like the judge in that story. The person, you need to hear this, church, the person who's running this whole show is not anything like that unjust judge. I mean, listen to what the unjust judge says. He says, I'll do it because you nag me. But would not our God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them, I tell you, the Bible says, he will quickly grant justice to them. So don't miss this point. God is not like that judge. He's nothing like that judge. That's not the point, nor the question. The question is, how much are we like the widow? How much is your faith like the faith of the widow? How similar are we to her? That when we find ourselves in a position of losing heart and about to quit and lacking hope and ready to throw in the towel, do we persist (coughs) or do we exit off? For centuries, one of the most prominent Christian prayers, we got to bring this back, is the prayer 
perseverance. Daily perseverance. That daily God would grant to us the miracle of faithfulness. Christians have been praying it for centuries. I think it's time we start praying it again. Because we're all going to be in those moments where we feel like losing heart. And in that moment is the opportunity for the miracle of faithfulness to be born. May you and I, may we, may we all together become the kind of people who day after day after day walk ourselves into unjust situations, demanding and advocating for what we really do believe is best in the world because we know who our God is and we know how faithful he will be to us. If you're here today and you feel like quitting, believe me, I understand. Don't. Just don't. In this moment in your life right now is the opportunity for the miracle of God's faithfulness to be born or reborn and grow into something that sees you to the other side. I'm going to invite Shelby and Gloria and Chris to come up.